0: on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a
1: hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert.
2: Murray's going to score. Touchdown. End zone for Fitz.
1: Goes up. and makes the game-winning catch. Larry Legend does it again.
0: Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking
1: over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's going to be a show. And Ron Wolfley.
0: It doesn't get any better
2: than that. Unleash the fury. The fierce debate in the Big Red War Room might be over and done with, but definitely not here on the Big Red Rage. There. What? The hay is in the barn, Ron Wolfley. Here, I have a feeling the haymakers are about to fly <laughs> over the next hour.
0: Why's that, Paulie?
2: I just don't get the sense we're on the same page. Based <laughs> based on the instigator, when are we, Paul? The hit and run artist on the text messages, Dave Pash. He just starting arguments as to which direction the Arizona Cardinals should go next Thursday night, one week from tonight. The Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Paul Calvisi here. Ron Wolfley there. On Tuesday, we'll have a special pre-draft edition of the Big Red Rage, by the way. And and Dave Pash. oh, you'll have your chance, tough guy, okay? Uh, we, we, we're going to be all about it on Tuesday. But right now, I just have this sense, Ron Wolfley, you're going to come out, and you're going to fill the airwaves, and you're going to advocate for a receiver in round one, and I will just say
0: no paulie i'm not advocating for a receiver in round one if there is a specific receiver though that is actually there like jay jalen waddle you know what i'm oh, gonna no. take that or i'm gonna run no. paul i'm gonna no. do no. it i'm just gonna go ahead and take that and run wolf wolf
2: it, you know what if if you want to speculate if you want that sort of risk in round one go trade bitcoin get into cryptocurrency <laughs> okay paulie,
0: you gotta you gotta tell me who else is there obviously I mean, if you tell me J.C. Horn is going to be there, you know what, Paul? You're going to draft J.C. Horn, right? That's what you're probably going to do right there. You have to also say, hey, listen, if if Devontae Smith is there, what are you going to do, Paul? Devontae Smith, he does scare me because he is a little slight, isn't he?
2: Uh, Devontae Smith is there, and somebody wants Devontae Smith? I trade down in an instant, and I cash that in.
0: Yeah, the problem is, of course, whenever you trade up or you trade down, it takes two to tangle, and that's the problem. Once you include somebody else, now all of a sudden, it becomes much more difficult to execute that. Well, Steve
2: Kine was asked about that earlier today, and we'll get to that very soon on this edition of the Big Red Rage. Thankfully, we'll get the voice of reason here as we expect the Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner, to join us on this edition (laughs) of the Big Red Rage.
0: Wait a minute. You think Greybeard is going to side with you, Paul? Wolf I mean, I'm gonna
2: you know what I'm gonna make the argument with not only you but with a hall of famer Mr. Yellow Jacket himself that you know what the Arizona defense needs a top-notch young cornerback as much as Kyler Murray needs another
0: weapon so all the weapons that Kurt Warner has played with in his very storied career you don't think he might actually side with going with a wide I don't think so Paul I think I you're mean, way off on that
2: I'm not saying there isn't a degree of difficulty uh that I have ahead of me I'm just saying that's where I'm, I'm going to down swinging on that argument that's what I'm about to say what if Micah Parsons falls to number 16 Ron Wolfley did you not watch the Super Bowl did you not see what Devin White and Levante David meant to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers despite Tom Brady
0: I do hey listen if you tell me it's Micah Parsons at 16 I'll be okay Paul I don't think he's gonna be there but I'll be okay with that too
2: You know, I did an event last night with a former player host of the Big Red Rage, Carlos Dansby. Oh, Los was in fine form. Dirty. And and leave it to Los to bring up that, hey, the year the Cardinals had Carlos Dansby and Daryl Washington, if you could now have Micah Parsons and Isaiah Simmons, Mm. think about that. We'll get to what Steve Kime had to say today. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford.
0: Where are you guys right now in the draft process? Have you already stood on the table, Drew? Have you stood on the table and had it out? Have you had those meetings yet? The, the shoe prints are on the table,
3: Wolf. They're 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 there. <laughs>
2: director of player personnel drew grigson last week in response to wolf's question about um shall we say how animated do you think some of the discussions got in the war room as they tried to set their final 120 to three years sometimes invested in each player and the scatter reports and the rankings and wolf when you ask that question and we're moments away from being joined by kurt warner by the way the hall of famer and we'll talk draft and everything else about the cardinals but when you pose that question, did you mean it to a certain degree? I mean, just how spirited do you think
0: it gets in there? Oh, no, Paulie, absolutely I meant that. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, <clears throat> for me, Paul, excuse me, I got something caught in my throat. For and look, me, though, we, Pauly...
2: We, know, we don't know because that's the one place we're never allowed. I mean, we're just never allowed into the war room. A select few are. and, right. and But there does get to that, like that one or two weeks where everyone comes in from all the remote locations and they have it out.
0: Yeah, they have it out, Pauly. But once again, it's probably the most entertaining part of the year when you're talking about these scouts, and as you know, these guys, they do. They invest years into certain guys, and suddenly they stand up and they say, this guy, we've got to draft this guy. I think this guy is the best at his position, and some other scout who scouted some other guy is going to look at him and say, what are you talking about? I the best at it. This guy is the best at his position, and guess what happens, Paul? I mean, these guys, this is how they build their careers. This is how scouts build their careers and how they turn those careers at scouting into being a general manager, climbing the ladder and someday being a general manager. Whom do you hitch your wagon to as a scout and what player pans out as a pro and what player does not, Paul? And people kept, they, they keep records of this stuff.
2: Well, there was the pre-draft press conference today featuring the GM Steve Kime, the head coach Cliff Kingsbury. One of the questions was, where do you consider the deepest parts of the draft? Remember the answer Drew Grigson gave us on the show a week ago immediately. He said pass rusher, and that's rarely, if ever the case, in any draft. You can count on one or two hands how many legit pass rushers there are. He says it's very deep this year. Steve Kime's answer to that question today was outside linebacker, yes. Inside linebacker receiver corner and some of the interior o-line and then steve kine was asked wolf just about the potential of maybe doing what the niners did or the dolphins have done twice or the eagles trade up trade down what do you think
0: gm steve kine With six picks and where we're sitting, uh, I think it would be more likely to to trade back than to trade up. So that's one thing. And then, you know, as far as trading back and accumulating more picks, uh, it's no different than a lottery ticket. The the more you have, the better you have a chance to hit. Uh, We know it's an inexact business, and to be able to accumulate more picks would be a real coup for us. Do you buy that, Ron Wolfley? You know, not this time of year. I really don't. I don't buy it at all. I don't buy anything that any general manager says in the National Football League this time of year. I just don't do it. I mean, you, you're talking about being a week away from the NFL draft and draft subterfuge is absolutely real. Why in the world, Paulie, would you ever give anybody an inclination as to what it is that you're going to do or what you're thinking about possibly doing? Yeah, I, you, you wouldn't. It makes no sense. It does not benefit you in any way, shape, or form. What does benefit you in any way, shape, or form is saying something that might be misleading to somebody else. Do you know, Paul, in certain organizations, Most organizations in the NFL, they actually have people that record this stuff. What you say before the draft as a general manager and what you actually do in the draft. Why do you think they would do that, Paulie? Why do you think that makes sense to actually do that? Because
2: they're trying to to pin down which way you really are going to (laughs) go.
0: They want to know who your personality really is, Paulie.
2: So on Wall Street, past performance is no guarantee of future results, but you're saying when it comes to GMs and their pre-draft pressers, sometimes their past performance is an indicator of where they'll go on draft night.
0: I mean, there are some general managers that will look at other general managers and go, you are just laugh-out-loud funny. You've got to be kidding me, right? Because of some of the things that they've said in the past and then some of the things that they've actually done. And there are some general managers that, believe it or not, Paulie, actually do kind of tell the truth. There are well, some that actually do it, Paul, but they think you're never going to believe them anyways.
2: There was there was one year where Bruce Arians just, just flat-out lied, <laughs> and then he said afterwards, I'm a good liar. But there was one year, Wolf, where he pretty much told – it as it was and remember we did his coach's show not long thereafter and he just said yeah everyone thinks you're lying so i just sort of told the truth and nobody believes you anyway That's so exactly it doesn't really matter
0: right,
2: so he we went reverse psychology see, that, that
0: would be a reason once again to actually keep track of this stuff so you get to know who your opponent is you get to know who these other general managers are and who might be actually giving a a solid indicator as to what they're going to do and who's full of it
2: okay So I listened today. Can I give you my translation? Yes. My GM to English translation goes something like this. Make me an offer I can't refuse. I think Steve Kime is saying all these insiders have us potentially moving up. But you know what? Everyone who thinks I'm moving up and they're keeping the price sky high to move up, guess what? I might move back. Yeah. And if you're listening to me, I'm just as likely to move back as I am to move up. So you know what? You guys better start giving me some reasonable trade deals here. If I'm going to entertain any of these, whether it's up or down, okay, you've got one week, T-minus one week and counting. You're on the clock to give me a real phone call worth my time.
0: The only thing I would say to you, Paulie, on that is all the one-year signings that they made and the acquisition of Rodney Hudson. And knowing you've got two years with J.J. Watt, I don't know about that, Paul. I think win now is what they're looking at.
2: So you're saying they're going to trade up to four and take
0: Uh, Kyle Pitts the tight end? Not saying they're going to trade up at all. I'm just saying if there's a possibility, I think that is what they would do because they're in win now. Let's see what Kurt Warner
2: has to say. Yes, the Hall of Famer next on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert.
0: absolutely perfect pass right on the money old gray beard looks sharp doesn't he is kurt warner sick or what oh kurt you have to be kidding me right there great throw by kurt warner kurt warner using the kung fu grip you want to talk about cool as a cucumber in the refrigerator the gloved one leading them down the field again wow kurt warner isn't in the zone he is the zone. Kurt Warner can throw a Twinkie into a toaster. I mean, this guy is on fire.
2: Into the archives with the collective voice of the Arizona Cardinals, Dave Pash, Ron Wolfley, talking about a Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl MVP, an NFL MVP, Ron Wolfley, a, a guy I consider most responsible for changing the culture and direction of the Arizona Cardinals they're making a movie out of his life story and can i use the word irony when we're about to talk nfl draft with kurt warner and kurt is considered probably the greatest undrafted player ever in the history of the nfl kurt how are we doing this evening
3: i am doing really really well how are you guys we're doing good
0: kurt thank you so much for joining us man we really appreciate it as always bro oh
3: man always always a pleasure to talk to you guys and i know it's a Fun time of year as uh, we're all involved in the NFL and obviously involved with the Cardinals. uh, That time of year when we're getting close to the draft and all the speculation and all the excitement, uh, getting ready for uh, what plays out and then to see how it plays out next fall.
2: You know, Cliff Kingsbury today mentioned he was asked about Kyler and he just said, you know, to his experience and some of it is based on college that guys in year three, other NFL career now you were the exception but guys who come up as rookies and then year three that that really is the liftoff period in a lot of cases last year we saw Baker Mayfield we saw Josh Allen for example to what degree do you think Kyler is poised for that leap in year three
3: well I mean I think when you look at uh, just the last two years uh, I thought he made a nice leap from year one to year two uh, I would say a lot of a lot of guys in the league a lot of players say that that's where you make your biggest jump is from year one to year two. As you come in the first year, you're just kind of a wide-eyed rookie trying to just survive and figure it out in a 16-game season and all that stuff. And then once you settle in and you figure out what it's all about, you can make a big jump into year two. Um, but, you know, I, I, the hope, I believe, for all young guys and all quarterbacks specifically is that you continue to see the progression. And you talk about the leap in year three. We can go look at Josh Allen and the incredible leap that that he took Last year, I mean, almost transcendent. That I, I didn't know if he could ever, he would ever get to the point that he played at last year. And so now the expectation becomes, okay, what what's he going to be the rest of his career? Can he live up to that expectation that he set in year three? But um, but yeah, I mean, you want to see them continue to progress and get better. I mean, let's remember, I mean, Kyler Murray for the first half of the year was a part of the MVP conversation. Yep. So let's not you know let's yep. not sit here and go, oh gosh, he's got to get so much better or let's hope he makes a big leap. I mean, he was in that conversation for a big part of the year. Now, there is definitely room to grow because a lot of that hype was around what he was doing with his legs more than what he was doing with his arm, meaning just playing within the pocket and, and deciphering defenses and some of that stuff. So that's where I want to see him get better, but I felt he got a lot more comfortable just in the role and playing the position last year, and the game seemed to slow down for him, and thus the reason he made a lot of plays. Now I think he just needs to grow in that mental side of understanding what he's seeing, making more of the layups, I like to call them, and, and not having to live in um, that special world, which we know he can do those things, but even the mm-hmm. best quarterbacks in the league that, that can do those things, the more they live in that world, the more their team struggles and the more they struggle as quarterbacks. The less they live in that world, meaning make the layups, make the plays you're supposed to, and then give us four or five of those a game – Those are the teams, to me, that really push the envelope and become playoff teams and even can become championship teams. Um, Because, you know, when you're playing against good teams, it is hard to be that special player week in and week out, 10, 12, 15 times a game, uh, because everybody's so talented. So do what you're supposed to do and then give me just a little bit extra.
0: In his presser today, Cliff Kingsbury, was talking about the evolution of this offense. What, what do you think that looks like in year three, Kurt? What do you think the evolution of this offense looks like?
3: Um, yeah, I'm not really sure, because uh, I've still been trying to figure out exactly what they are offensively. Now, we talk about the evolution. I believe bringing in DeAndre Hopkins last year, helps every offense evolve because what you always want to have in an offense is you want to have that guy that guy that can play the x position that a team either a leaves one-on-one which makes the game easier for any play caller any offense and you know especially a young quarterback hey deandre's one-on-one okay I can go there a lot of the time. So that's the first part of the evolution is they have that guy, that difference-making guy over there at that position. And then the evolution becomes how far can we push the envelope? Is a lot of offenses are very similar. What really separates offenses is the flexibility of players Uh, The ability to push the envelope with complimentary football in the passing game. And then, of course, the ability of the quarterback to handle all of that stuff, see those things and allow the creativity of an offense to take shape because they have the ability to see it and make the plays that are supposed to be made. And so that, to me, is when you talk about evolution, that's what I'm waiting to see is that I know we have DeAndre now, and I know Kyler can drop back and throw it to DeAndre one-on-one anytime he wants, and they've got a great rapport, and that works. Now I need to see, okay, conceptually, can they create both mm-hmm. uh, you know, Coach Kingsbury and Kyler, can they create – a special offense together um, where they can utilize the mind of the coach with the physical abilities and the mind of the quarterback. And those things mesh together. Now – you feel like you've got everything at your finger fingertips, and now you give yourself the opportunity to really be dynamic offensively. Mm-hmm.
2: Hey, we're on board with Kurt Warner. It's all about you, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We know need is baked into every draft board. So when it comes to position, a lot of people will think Kyler needs – Another weapon, Kurt, to go along with DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green and Christian Kirk. And then others say, no, wait a minute, you just lost Patrick Peterson. You need that long-term, top-notch young corner. Is there a position you feel strongly about the Cardinals need on Thursday night?
3: Um. Yeah, I think you hit on, too, that uh, I would love to see, you know, A.J. Green signs a one-year deal, Malcolm Butler signs a one-year deal. Um, So good players, especially if they stay healthy, um, but obviously not the long-term answers. And so in in this day and age, you want to have that shut-down corner. And and Patrick gave you that for so long, you'd love to be able to replace – that if you can find one of those guys, I know you have Byron uh, already, and a, a young guy there. But you'd like to find a shutdown corner if you can. Um, the playmaking on offense, uh, you know, we still don't know what Fitz is going to do, but we know where he's at in the mix, and they've got some nice complementary pieces, but don't have that. You know, obviously you'd love to get another number one with DeAndre, but even that complimentary really strong number two um, to go on the other side and and give you some playmaking would be great. And then, you know, to me I always look at weapons as as really good offensive linemen. Um, And so I would have no problem if they found one of these really, you know, good offensive linemen whether it's inside or outside to continue to solidify things up front to protect Kyler to be able to run the football um so those are those are three areas that I could see them go depending on how things shake out and, and who could fall where and you know and I think you have some really good obviously wide receivers in the mix and you've got some really good cornerbacks uh as well it's just a matter of how highly you have these guys rated and where you think they can fit. But uh, those are three positions that I could see them uh, going any direction depending on uh, who may be available and how you know, things may shake out.
0: You know, it's amazing because a quarterback and a center, you guys have special relationships for the most part, and we all know what we're talking about. But a quarterback and a center for the most part, many times in my career, I'd see the quarterback sitting down with the center and having having conversations, whether it was professional conversations or personal conversations. What do you think, Kurt, the impact of Rodney Hudson may be on Kyler Murray?
3: Well, the biggest thing when you're playing quarterback is you want to play quarterback. And you don't want to worry about the guys up front. And so, you know, and again, twofold, not worrying about them in terms of them being able to protect you, but also not worry about them seeing things the same way that you see them. And so for me, you know, I was only in a system that called out the mic one year in New York, and I hated it. (laughs) Because I just said to myself, well, that guy's the mic. Everybody should know that guy's the mic. Why do I have to tell everybody every time I come up to the line of (laughs) scrimmage? It's the guy in the middle. We should all know that. And then if we want to do something different, then I can communicate that. But I want everybody to know that going in. That, to me, is what makes a good offensive line is you recognize what you're seeing. You can get to those guys. You have a center, as you're talking about, that communicates that and comes up and goes, Hey, 52 Mike, and this is where we're going, and this is where we're sliding. And I come up, and I know that that guy's thinking exactly what – I'm thinking in those situations and then I can just play ball. I don't have to worry about those guys up front or or what they're going to do or do I need to tell them and make sure that they're and that to me is where a center and a quarterback relationship is so important is that I just want to know what you're thinking and as long as we think the same way. Now I can deal with what I need to deal with from there, and I trust you to deal with what you need to deal with. Uh, It's when you're not on the same page. And so having a guy like Roddy Roddy Hudson that has been around, has seen it, has seen everything, has played at an extremely high level, hopefully that can free Kyler up Mm -hmm. and, and help solve some of those issues. And so he can just play ball. And he doesn't have to think and worry about those things, especially as he's trying to make that evolution uh, and and learn how to play the position a little bit better, that he doesn't have to worry about anything that's going on up front, and he can really trust those group of guys. And so that's what I, I think you're always hoping to get from your center is that we talk often about an offense coordinator and a quarterback seeing the game the same way, and that helps when you're designing plays and all of those things. And it's the same to me for a center and a quarterback. If you guys can see the game the same way, that just frees both of you up to just, hey, I know he's going to be thinking what I'm thinking. We'll just call right here, and we'll, we'll move on, and we'll play fast.
2: By the way, Tom Brady, you mentioned calling out the mic. He had a pointed opinion today about how he doesn't like the new single-digit jersey rule. And he wrote, dumb, why not let the linemen wear whatever they want to? Good luck trying to block the right people now. It's going to make for a lot of bad football. Hey, you've been there over the line of scrimmage and trying to figure out, okay, who's coming, who isn't. Is that a problem if all of a sudden linebackers are now wearing single digits?
3: Uh, I don't think it's a problem. I think, like everything else, we'll adapt to it, and you'll game plan, and you'll know whether Ray Lewis is 52 or Ray Lewis is zero or Ray Lewis is 99. We'll know what number he is when he comes into the building. And, you know, it's not going to matter which one of those he's wearing. And, you know, Wolf can attest to this. The the biggest thing when we're talking about protections and blocking schemes, it's unblocking blocking the guy that's in that spot. Mm -hmm. I don't care what number he's wearing that guy in between those other two guys is the Mike linebacker. And so that's how I see it. Now we can identify them by the number they're wearing, but I never really even saw numbers. It was more just, Oh, that's, that position is the Mike. That's the Sam. That's the Will. whatever. And so, yeah, it might be an adjustment early on because you're not expecting certain guys to be wearing certain numbers. But that'll change really quickly as you, like I said, you go through your game plan and you circle the four guys that you're worried about every week, and you'll know exactly what numbers they're wearing um, and what you expect to call out and who's who's considered what. So, um, yeah, I think any time change happens, uh, we worry yeah. about it and we think it's going to affect us. But, I mean, you know, come on. Last year they played in front of no fans. And right. so, you know, you had to figure out how to – Get yourself amped up for that. We'll figure out how to call a linebacker that's wearing number 12 or or whatever, and, and we'll move on.
0: You know what's way. interesting about it? Go ahead, Paul.
3: No, oh, sorry, Wolf. Go ahead. Uh,
0: what's interesting, too, is, listen, the Arizona Cardinals, they brought in a lot of grizzled veterans, Kurt, as you mm-hmm. well know. You know, J.J. J. Watt, of course, Malcolm Butler, A.J. Green, bringing Rodney Hudson, bringing these guys into this locker room right here. To me, that is a culture shift that is going to happen inside that locker room. Can you talk on that and speak on that at all, Kurt?
3: Yeah, I, I mean – Anytime you have, um, you know, great leaders, guys that have been there, guys that have played at a certain level, guys that walk into the locker room and already have a level of uh, success or respect that goes with their name, those are things that you know are extremely valuable. Uh, all I would say is that at the end of the day, though those guys are going to have to be healthy on the field making plays. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is going to come down to. I'm not going to question uh, J.J. Watt as a man and a man of character and what he's done in this league. But I need to know that he's going to be out there with me every day and that he's truly a part of this culture. And that, to me, is, is going to be the biggest question. You know, A.J. Green and Malcolm on one-year deals, you know, what does that look like? How are they able to come in and, and really become leaders on this team? And more importantly, that the issues have been injuries with guys like A.J. and, and J.J. Um, as of late. And so, bottom line, it doesn't matter what you bring to the table. If you're not out there with us and you're not able to play and, and you're going through an injury, um, it's a completely different dynamic. So I like what they've done. I like the, uh, the veteran leadership that will be in that locker room. But I think at the end of the day, this is going to all be weighed by how much those guys play, what kind of impact they have at this stage in their career. Um, you know, comparatively to what they've had the last couple years in other places, and obviously the the reason why they were available is because they just hadn't played up to their potential, and, and a big part of that has been injuries and not being able to stay healthy to compete at the level that, uh, that we had grown accustomed to. But, man, let's hope they hit the lottery, right? Let's hope mm-hmm. these guys stay healthy because I believe A.J. can still play. I know J.J. can still play. He played at a high level at times last year. Malcolm Butler can play. I mean, all those guys. And so that's what you're hoping as you go all in, that, man, we get lucky for this one year and we get kind of the best of everything melding together along with our young talent. And now we've got a chance to maybe do something.
2: And Kurt, let's wrap it up. Give us a quick thumbnail on QB Confidential. I've seen it on Twitter at QB Confidential. Uh, you tell us. Uh, you know, uh, for example, the Zach Wilson uh, today. You mentioned about his athleticism, but you said you weren't talking about how far he can throw it or how fast he can run. You were talking about other rare and
3: special moments, right? Yeah, you talk about quarterback athleticism is that I always tell people when I try to uh, evaluate quarterbacks, I don't evaluate their athletic ability because, A, I never had it, so I don't know how to, to, to truly evaluate it and correlate it, and then, B, I don't know how that translates. I know how processing information and how accuracy can translate from college to the pros. I don't know how running a 4-3 translates. I don't know if you're a good enough athlete because you do some of these things to make it translate to be like Lamar Jackson at the NFL. So I don't even look at that stuff, but I look at quarterback athleticism and the ability to move in the pocket, the ability to understand how to make different throws, to be on different platforms and all that stuff. But, um, you know, as you talk about quarterback confidential, quarterback confidential actually was something that um, it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time because I've wanted to be able to share my knowledge and experience uh, with the masses. And with the masses, I mean, quarterbacks, at all different levels, you know, because I do high school coaching, I do individual coaching for college and pro guys, but I wanted to have a larger reach for the quarterback position because I believe I bring a lot of value, and I wanted to impact young coaches. I wanted to invest in young coaches because I think I have a unique knowledge of the game and of offensive football and the why behind the game, and so I've always wanted to do it, and I've been limited to you know the three or four quarterbacks I have in high school or the four or that'll come work with me in the off season from the other levels. And when the pandemic hit a year ago and my off season schedule kind of came to a halt like everybody else's, um, I said, here's the perfect opportunity for me to dive in and do something that I've wanted to do. So I created Quarterback Confidential, which is a you know, teaching and instruction platform um, that's laid out in five different components. So uh, I have a component called Blackboard Breakdowns, where it's all about football IQ, everything from you know recognizing a box count to how we call defenses to reading defenses to, to how we you know, look at certain plays, but just building football IQ uh, from an offensive perspective. I go on the field and talk quarterback technique, which is so important to me, and I think there's so many kids out there that – that can't afford the guru or, or they're with people that don't really know how to teach it. It's a great tool, I think, for them to learn or for coaches to learn how to coach it. Uh, I go inside the playbook, which is probably my greatest passion, and just talk about the why. I say that every, every play has its own story. Uh, you know, who we're trying to throw to and, and what the timing of it is and why we run routes the certain ways. Um, I have the film study, as you talk about, which I call study ball, which is my Friday segment where I kind of dive into NFL playbooks or top-level playbooks and and really talk through different schemes and IQs and identifying and all of that stuff. But things that I love to do is looking at the pros and, and breaking it down. And then I have another component called outside the box, which is me just taking my story uh, and lessons that I've learned along the way and through my journey and sharing it with people to kind of build a mindset of excellence. And so uh, the way I've got it laid out for the first year is kind of curriculum type form is where, you know, Mondays you get one, Tuesdays, you get one, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, each of those different segments comes one day day a week. And you'll get them every week for 52 weeks um, on that day of the week um, each week. And it's built so you kind of start with a foundation and then you grow from there. And I just, I mean, it's, I think it's a great investment for any coach or any player or even any fan. And I've had a number of uh, analysts that I've sent this stuff to, and they love it because it takes them inside the game from a quarterback's perspective, which we know so much of the game comes from that perspective. Um, And there's so much great content on it. So I'm excited about it because I just want to invest – in the next generation and invest in our game. And this tool I think is something that anybody and everybody can, can gain something from. Um, The price is, almost minimal uh when you look at what's out there for what you're going to get and so just encouraging everybody i mean you can follow me at qb confidential on twitter and instagram and uh and youtube and, and all of those things but the site is actually QBConfidential.com, um and you can you get two weeks for free if you sign up you get two weeks for free to check it out and then decide from there but i just i don't think anybody's going to get on it and, and not like the different information on there. I think everybody can learn from it and, and I'm just excited about it because I finally got the opportunity to build something that I believe can touch the masses now but also something that can live for the long term uh, and can allow you know the things I learned in this game and what this game gave me to be able to uh, to pass that on to other people. Yeah,
0: you know what, Kurt? Thank you so much, man. I'm going with Wedgebuster Confidential myself, but thank you so <laughs> much, Kurt. I really That's appreciate be it. be like
3: three segments. Yeah, yeah,
0: God bless you. And buddy. Kurt
3: Wolf
2: wanted me to ask you about Larry and his decision. I told him no, so you can you can thank me later on that. We yeah, appreciate amen to that. Time. I appreciate yeah. you guys.
3: Kurt, Sorry, you, a longer thank there. You, man. there you All go. right, guys, stick here.
2: Kurt Warner at QB Confidential. Back right after this. Breaking news, J.J. Watt is going to the desert.
1: Whoa! That is not Photoshopped. No, he said Adam Shepter just reported it. Wow! (laughs) The first thing I did was uh, take a look at
0: the tape and uh, quickly realized that um, J.J. Watt still looked like J.J. Watt, in my opinion. Come on! Ah.
1: JJ, let see,
0: man. When he walks on the field, he don't think there's anybody in the arena better than him. feels like the Arizona
1: Cardinals are
0: going all in.
1: We had the opportunities to make some moves and to be aggressive. You know, it's business at the end of the day, and, you know, things are going to change. To get traded to Arizona, it's a blessing, man. one of the best days of my life. A little, a little different scenery out <laughs> Much different.
3: there isn't enough energy in the Valley already, we're going to try and turn it up even a few more notches.
2: The unmistakable music of emmy award-winning cardinals flight plan yes season four episode one debuts in t-minus 15 minutes and counting all you have to do is go to youtube.com az cardinals hit the subscribe button and boom there you are and based on the trailer It is going to be an epic edition, season-opening edition of Cardinals' flight plan. We're talking going behind the scenes of the Cardinals' offseason, free agency, draft prep, and more. And once again, all coming your way, top of the hour, YouTube.com slash AZCardinals. When we come back, we'll hear some more about what the Cardinals said about what direction they might go in the NFL draft a week from tonight as we continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert.
0: Yeah. All right, Mr. J.J. Watt, Captain America known in these parts. What I see is a guy who leans a lot now on just the things he's seen in life. His technique is impeccable. And you have to do that because Father Time is undefeated. It's funny, everybody in the NFL wanted J.J. Watt. Then Arizona blessed to get him. Oh, he's old, he can't play no more. This guy still can play football in the NFL and he can play at a high level.
2: That's just a little bit, just one clip from season four, episode one of Cardinals Flight Plan debuts top of the hour and the YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash AZ Cardinals. And Wolf, I think you'll agree, we're all better off the more we get and hear from D-line coach Brenson Buckner. Uh, he is always, yeah. he is always good content, especially when you put the clicker in his hand. Look out.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Paulie. And not only that, too, he's so right on J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt is a guy that I was shocked when I put the tape on and I looked at last season, Paulie. We know he's been banged up over the last five years, right? But when I put the tape on and watched J.J. Watt play, I, I was really pleasantly surprised at how he looked. He looked really good. I mean, he
2: led the NFL in tackles for loss against the run think about that right he had 17 quarterback hits that would have led the arizona cardinals last year he he, he led the nfl in drawing double teams as <laughs> right. well so
0: right he so can right still there play, he,
2: right so right there you know with chandler jones and isaiah simmons and Buddha baker all distracting you know offensive fronts and depra- we're all very curious obviously to see what jj watt is all about this year now as for as for the press conference earlier today, Cliff Kingsbury, did you catch the moment where he was asked about the fact that the Rams have tried to one up Cliff Kingsbury's pad on draft night, which stole the NFL draft a year ago as we know his place in Paradise Valley? The drafts have gone, the Rams have gone ahead and they set up their draft war room in a Malibu beach house and Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury was asked about that.
0: Yeah, I really think it's just a ploy by McVeigh to allow himself the opportunity to take his shirt off again and jump in the pool
1: like he did <laughs> on, on Hard Knocks. Um, probably sip a little rosé, dip in the ocean, and, and make some draft picks. So I think more than anything, he had that up. So
0: it should be fun to watch. <laughs> oh, Here's the metaphorical protective cup. Why don't you slide it in?
2: That was good stuff. Now, those two are really good friends. And if you remember, shortly after Cliff Kingsbury was hired, he had a dinner with Patrick Mahomes, and McVay played the practical joke on him, texting Cliff Kingsbury that he was in violation of NFL rules by having <laughs> by having dinner with an opposing quarterback, and Roger Goodell was going to find him and strip the Cardinals of draft picks. <laughs> so that Cliff Kingsbury was getting back at Sean McVay there a little bit. And then so the Cardinals tweeted it out, Wolf, and they tweeted out that soundbite we just heard with a simple caption, we're on to you. At Rams NFL, the Rams then responded about an hour later and said, if you want an invite, just say so. Smiley face. And it's a picture of Cliff Kingsbury with his shirt off at a beach party with a bunch (laughs) of other guys. And so, it's going back and forth. Wow, and as our Jim under and Cody Fincher just informed us, the Seahawks got in on the action, and they said, we don't need an ocean to take our shirts off, and they tweeted out a picture of DK Metcalf and Coach Double <laughs> Rainbow when D.K. Metcalf walked in with his shirt off during the draft combine interviews last season, and then all of a sudden, 70-year-old Pete Carroll takes off his shirt, and nobody needed to see that.
0: You know, too bad it wasn't that amicable on the field, Paul, right? And I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course, because we love the fact that it is a contested game every time these guys play. They step in between those white lines or trying to actually drive somebody into the ground and do it with malice. Of course, that's what we're supposed to do, but it is kind of a a light moment here the calm before the draft storm that is coming our way yeah speaking
2: of the calm before the storm uh your move now 49ers right Uh, how are the niners going to get on in on this nfc west action so so there you go we'll 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 see about uh, and remember the cardinals have yet to beat sean McVay. he is 8-0 against the arizona cardinals so don't think that the players aren't reminded of that during the offseason there was a great story had a chance to talk with Kyle Vandenbosch and Carlos Dansby last night for a while Wolf, and and Vandenbosch said that when he was with the Titans every single offseason they would put up a picture of Peyton Manning this Peyton Manning guys beat us like 12 times in a row and that was their motivation for the entire defensive front was to get after and pay back Peyton Manning and when they did it he cited that as the biggest accomplishment and most rewarding moment of his NFL career
0: No doubt about it, Paulie. They've got to beat the Rams at some point in time going forward. And I fully expect this is the year, Paul. This is when they do it.
2: We'll come back. We'll wrap up this edition of the Big Red Rage. And we'll tell you about a very special day in Arizona Cardinals history. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford. And Gilbert, we are Santan Ford.
0: Huge play by Pat
2: Tillman. Whatever you're going to do, you should be passionate about it, or else why, why do it? Hammered again
0: by Pat Tillman. Damn, Tillman delivers the blow. Flushed out of the pocket? and sacked.
1: Pat Tillman was there first. Rushed back there by Pat Tillman. Pat Tillman,
2: the play. I don't know. I get a lot of satisfaction out of like you know my family being proud of me. My brothers, you know, I I I I, I care what they think and how they feel, and I and
1: I want them to be proud of what I'm doing. Pat Tillman guy with a lot of heart that's what Tillman is all about huge play by Pat Tillman for whatever reason I
2: you know I have a, a patriotic bone to me Let's go USA on three one two three USA. USA. Yes. The American hero Pat Tillman and for those of us who have been here a while in the AZ I think we all remember exactly where we were when we learned the news that Pat Tillman had lost his life defending his country. I know Darren Urban wrote about it at azcardinals.com. Uh, I vividly remember morning radio, KTAR newsroom. News came down, just utter shock. Uh, we weren't even truly aware at that point that Pat had gone back and had decided to re-enlist. That was his choice to re-enlist and go back and and and, and defend the United States of America and Wolf, you know, it's, it's the 17th anniversary of the passing of Pat Tillman. And, and you know, there was a card that was handed out at the funeral and Darren Urban cited it. And, and the line goes like this, every man dies. Not every man really lives. And does that not sum up Pat Tillman?
0: Yeah, Paulie, you know, a Pat, the Pat Tillman story alone, it asks the question. It demands a response from every one of us. When you hear Pat's, story. It's who are you and how are you living your life? It's like you you have to ask yourself that question when you hear the Pat Tillman story and what it is that he he was all about and what he did with his life.
2: And don't forget, we're a week away from the NFL draft. Pat Tillman, despite being the Pac-10 defensive player of the year, was a 7th round pick. He was a tweener. And, Wolf, you were at training camp. I was at training camp. We watched the rookie, Pat Tillman, and his strategy was, I'm going to hit anything that moves. Doesn't matter if the drill is half speed. I'm going full speed. And I'm just going to play with more passion than anyone else on the gridiron. And that's the way he lived his life.
0: He got everybody's attention, did he not, Paulie?
2: Yeah. Uh, Season four of Cardinals Flight Plan, straight ahead, top of the hour. Just go to youtube.com slash az cardinals uh emmy award winning and it figures to deliver tonight in the debut episode special thanks to kurt warner the cardinals hall of famer for ron wolfley i'm paul calvisi special thanks jim almohandro cody fincher this has been the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert we are santan ford